We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers raised their 17th banner, hallelujah, to that last night in a in an ugly preseason-looking game against the Houston Rockets. But our, our guy, Talon, uh, had back-to-back double-doubles. Kuz hit a game winner off a nice little Euro step, and he had a, a couple nice games in a row. But we've all been looking ahead and Dennis just posted that he's back. It looks like he's going to be back for the road trip. Uh, Kyle Kuzma broke the news that uh, Dudley will be active at the very least and, and hopefully get a little bit of run as well as we try to get everybody as much as they can. It matters for everyone, get them some run, but this is the first time in a while LeBron pending that we're going to have our full squad. So, D, what are you looking forward to in that? And that LeBron caveat is a big if. No, I think that that's where we should start, right? Is yeah. um, Mike, I think I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this because there was maybe going back five days, six days, there was a fair amount of enthusiasm around mm-hmm. LeBron's pen pending return. He had practiced. And honestly, I don't think you could contain the enthusiasm from AD, even from Frank Vogel, which I think is sort of rare for Vogel to sort of like amplify messaging around like real positivity. He is so even keeled when when it comes to stuff, Um, particularly around LeBron, even when he's speaking in flowery terms, it's still measured and, and grounded. 
Um, and, and, and so he looks, the idea was he looks great. And the thought was he could play as early as Monday. That didn't happen. And then it was, oh, well, the back-to-back, he probably was like, this is sort of speculation, right? But, oh, it's a back-to-back. He'll, he'll probably just play on Tuesday. He wasn't going to play in both of those games, most likely. And so why not send him out there against a team that's not as stingy defensively as, and physical as the New York Knicks and maybe have, have him play against the Rockets. But, Mike, pre-game... I got the sense Vogel's Vogel's tone. It's not even the sense Vogel's tone was different when speaking about LeBron and um, he returned to sort of a bit more measured and a bit more cautious and a bit more like, Hmm, day by day. And, and we're going to see how it goes sort, sort of talk. And, and so I'd love to hear your thoughts in general about like concern potentially around this interesting like a different feeling like like where are you at when when it comes to some of this about lebron you know when i first moved to la and and i was exposed to kind of the uh, the in and out burger and the just how people here felt about it i i was like okay i need to try this i tried it myself and it lived up like i was like wow this is great okay i, I get it i get it then i was told about what a burger by a friend from texas i had never been to or i'd been to texas several times but i never had what a burger and so I, the first time the Lakers are playing against the Spurs, I go, I'm like, okay, I got to find a Whataburger. There's one close to the hotel where the team stays and I eat it. And I'm like, this is trash. This is not, this is not what I was told <laughs> this is supposed to be. So guys, life is about expectations. Mm. Life is all about expectations. And when you're told that something is awesome and it's not, <laughs> you, you feel a certain way. And to move to the LeBron situation, we, this is all about what we thought was coming at the beginning of the week based on Anthony Davis's enthusiasm, as you said, based on Frank Vogel. And there was this buzz, right, about him possibly playing, or not even possibly, like likely playing in one of those two games. And so when that didn't happen, of course, uh, that was the, the first time you, you know, you turn your head a little bit. And then in the pregame, of course, that was almost all we talked about with Frank Vogel yesterday was, all right, so what what's has your level of confidence changed? You know, um, those kind of things. And Frank's tone was a bit more measured than it was earlier in the week. With that said, guys, I started to feel a little better when LeBron came out and said essentially the title defense, the, you know, back-to-back starts next week. And he tweeted and like, basically he's not ready yet, but there, I don't get the indication just from LeBron, even if it's a brief social media interaction or a brief, not with me, um, with the public, and a brief one from the way that he speaks at the ceremony for banner number 17 that has kind of brought me back to just thinking, you know what? He knows what he's doing. He's the brawn. Uh, perhaps it was sore. We are, we're all going to speculate what the day after we heard all of the optimism. So I think he clearly, he looked great. Like we heard that he looked great. Maybe it was sore. And maybe instead of playing against, uh, he was always going to do one of the two against the Knicks and the Rockets. And maybe he looked at that game against the Rockets. Maybe he looked at the scenario in which it was still going to be unlikely the Lakers would get up to the six. And maybe he just said, you know what? It's it's going to be better for me to just give it more days. And that could include playing in Indiana. It could include not like he, I just, I have, I guess Pete, I have had to sort of just trust that this guy knows exactly what he's doing. And, the, and therefore I'm going to stop worrying and speculating um, even with this change of expectation and what a burger is trash, by the way. <laughs> 
So <laughs> I've never had one. But with LeBron, I'm not like it's time whether LeBron likes it or not. I trust him to do everything that he can to get himself in the best shape possible. And he knows what time it is. He knows exactly how ramped up he needs to be. But there's also the pressure of time. What if he's not ready? What if he's still like 80 percent? I don't know. I don't know this. Right. But him saying the title defense starts next next week. That's a simple statement of fact. That's like we're here. We're at that point where no matter to what degree LeBron is healthy or going to be healthy, it's starting within a week anyway. And so I, of course, trust him to do everything that he has to 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 protect himself, keep himself safe, but also be ready to go to battle because it's starting whether he's ready, quote unquote, or not. Yeah, Pete. And there's no quite like there is no larger concern, period, of LeBron having anything going on with his body. Like, of course, like that is. So even if he like if he had had if he had gotten a Charlie horse and it was bug like that, that's still a larger concern than some minor player having something major because LeBron is the reason the number one reason why the Lakers won the title last year. AD is right there alongside him. But so he, so anything going on with his body, which it usually doesn't uh, because he is LeBron James, is, of course, going to be a concern. I guess what I'm what I'm trying to the point that I'm trying to make is that he there's there's a certain level that he probably thinks that he can get to. And, and it's probably not 100 percent this season with the ankle. And right, right. And I don't and I'm to the point where I don't care if it's like ideally it would be 95 or 99. Maybe he thought it was going to be closer to that. Maybe it's 80. I don't know. Maybe it's 85. Maybe, but whatever it is, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of past the point. We're not, we don't know. We're not going to know. So I'm past the point of worrying about what that is because it does seem like, like he is coming back. That's my point. And I don't, I don't think that there's some, um, that it's more, it's more than that. Like, I don't think it's, there's something that we don't know. I just think that it's sore and he's going to have to deal with it, but I trust him to deal with it. Yeah, I think that's probably what's going on, right? Is that he's not where he would love to be, but this is yeah. where he is and he's going to give it a run and he knows what level he can probably get to or he'll figure that out in the, in the very near future. So with that in mind, what as we get the full squad back, Schroeder and and the, the whole Caruso hopefully as well, in the context of that limited LeBron, what do they need to do to help fill in the holes that maybe LeBron can't do that now, this incredible thing athletically that he would be able to on a fully healthy ankle? Well, I mean, you mentioned Schroeder and Alex Caruso. I think that the name that Mike mentioned as the guy standing right next to LeBron is next in line when it comes to this stuff. And that's Anthony Davis. Right. And so AD did not play against the Rockets. Um, he played well, I thought, against New York in just a rough matchup for like he played in a crowd all night. Um, he was really pressured on his jumper and his jumper didn't fall to the same level that it did against the Suns. He was still super impactful and played with that tight growing down down the stretch, had a couple of just high level defensive possessions and he helped secure that win. Right. And, and so in terms of full squad, if LeBron is not quite up to 100% and who knows what percentage it it will be as both of you alluded to, I think AD needs to be at 100% and he needs to play at full 
capacity. That was the most encouraging part of that week that he had, that really brilliant week, because he was physically dominant. And that's what I would argue in LeBron's current speculated state, at least, of not being able to athletically get to maybe what he would be able to on a fully healthy ankle. It's the athletic dominance that ends up – he doesn't lose it. He still knows what's going on mentally. Some of his passing angles will change and he'll have to adjust. But the biggest impact is can you physically dominate? And that's the place where seeing AD get to that level, that destroyer of worlds athletic level where I'm going to show high on Damian Lillard and I'm going to recover – to get hip to hip with Nurkic. And by the time he's going for the layup, he's got no chance to make, it's an easy block. It's that shut your water off, be in two places at once thing that only Anthony Davis is capable of, but LeBron James is capable of that type of dominance. And so seeing AD get there was just a huge moment of the season. So it's a margin of error thing. It's a Kobe Shaq thing. Kobe and Shaq didn't both Mm -hmm. have to be at 100, but one of them had to be when the other one wasn't. And I guess the best example is when Shaq, you know, like when Shaq went down or got like got thrown out and Kobe comes in uh, and takes over or when Kobe has the ankle, you know, and Shaq can carry the weight for a game like that's that's what LeBron they just need to together, Darius, get to the point um, where it's like and that's the benefit again of having the two guys. Well, this is where, too, that. LeBron's mental acuity matters so much. The fact that he's not just a physical marvel. Great point. The, yeah. the fact that he's not one of the top players in the league simply because he's physically dominant, right? right? It's that combination of of uh, mental acuity paired with the physical application of that. And I think, Pete, the point that you mentioned earlier about and, and Mike, you were speaking to to this too, but the idea of things may be different for him physically, and but you trust that he's so smart and that he's so skilled that he can make the right reads, and because his skill level is also high, that he could make the proper adjustments in order to still have a high impact, right? And that's the biggest thing that this roster has been missing over this entire stretch is somebody who makes the decision of where the ball is going to go. And as simple as that sounds, that's the first thing that happens on any given play that sets off that chain reaction that puts everybody else in their right, that slotting that you always talk about. LeBron being the person who decides, okay, this is what's going to happen on this play. And it can be, it's a whole choose your own adventure based on what the defense does, right? Yes. But who sets off that sequence of events, LeBron is the guy who does that and it puts everybody else in a more comfortable role. Well, we've talked about chess, or I have at least a fair amount, like on the pod over the last six or eight months or so. And one of the things you study in chess are openings, right? And it's Mm -hmm. just like, how do you, like, you're white, right? Like white pieces. And and so you start, (laughs) you start. Mm -hmm. And the idea of, all right, well, I'm going to trigger sort of the nature of this game. Yeah, you've got the king's defense, the queen's defense, the Sicilian defense, and it's like seven, eight moves where both sides know, you know, you're going to do this, I'm going to do that, and there are a couple places there are a couple places you can diverge, but it basically sets off a sequence of events. It does, and one of the things, one of the hallmarks of the championship team, last year's team, was their organization. Right. And so you think about organization a lot within the context of what we spoke about last year was preparation. 
right? And the idea of we know exactly what we're going to need to do, and you know that in advance going into the matchup. But the execution of that is a certain amount of on-floor organization that you need, possession to possession, like six-minute, eight-minute, 10-minute stretches at a time in order to Mike mentioned margin of error in order to sort of up that margin of error because you are the one who is dictating the terms of of engagement. And a lot of that is physical ability, right? But more of that, I would argue, is decision making and mental ability, right? And I think this is where if LeBron is not 100% physically, and I think we all agree that it's it's hard to envision that that would be the case, then he is going, then one of the strongest traits he can bring to this team is that level of organization and the, and the sophistication that exists within that organization, right? Which is reading the full court, reading the board and understanding, yeah, guess what? They haven't stopped this action three straight times. So now we're going to go to that a fourth time but the thi- but we're going to tweak it now within that action and go to option C instead of spamming option A again mm-hmm. in or- right. and, and then now the defense looks completely befuddled now right yeah. and it's like the coach needs to call a timeout cuz he's like guys they're doing the same shit over yep. and over again yep. this is where we need to be but Forcing the hand of the other team based off of what you're doing from a mental perspective, I think that's where LeBron can really help this team the most if he's not 100% physically. Yeah, and, and Darius, you really you wrapped up kind of the the point that I was trying to make. You pulled out the key part of it too, right? Which is it, which is LeBron's mental um, being able to overcome a lot uh, and sort of trusting in that. And even and even if he's not fully right physically, and the other team can take advantage of that, which I doubt. Because I still think they're going to look up, they're going to see LeBron, and they're not necessarily going to try to like wrap around, uh, you know, uh, attack him. Which, uh, but like this to me is where all of the Laker role players that have been getting significant minutes and therefore should be in a better individual rhythms than the typical role player might be going into a postseason. I just need LeBron on the floor directing and dictating that, and and I think that can just help. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The whole thing flow better. 
um, on both ends of the court. And, and so that's the kind of the optimistic perspective coming in, regardless of how close to 100 percent LeBron is, that he then can he can just lead on the floor. And they didn't have Rondo like Rondo could have helped some of this these last couple of weeks to do that. Right. It's had to have been it's had to be like Wes Matthews and Gasol and Caruso and these guys all stepping in. But they don't have the ball um, as much. So that's the part that I'm looking forward to seeing LeBron reintegrate and bring the best out of all these guys that are, that are, you know, some of them in a pretty good rhythm. I think Dennis Schroeder is going to be especially important in this yeah. particular in this stretch. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about why. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. My biggest concern with this team the whole year has been the half-court offense. We've been clunky. Our spacing has not been good. Our We do pretty much nothing off of our post-ups. We very rarely, you know, we'll set a pin screen or a flare or, or have guys weak side. We would dive, you know, from the weak side wing, flash middle, and then that guy would go from the corner and skip up and lift up to the wing. We did that all the time with Caruso and KCP last year. It's been just much worse this season, our, our weak side action off of that. And we've seen large stretches where we go 354 without a field goal. I see this graphic on Spectrum pretty much every game. Six minutes since the yeah. Lakers last had a field goal, right? Like they may have scored at the free throw line, but but long stretches, Pete. Long and stretches. this preceded Mike's... Mike's <laughs> no, uh, I'm just the, laughing because I'm laughing because when this is... Ha- so what's happening, right, before you see that graphic some a lot of times... So sometimes they're just doing it in the truck themselves. Other times I'm kind of, I'm pressing my talk back button to the producer and, and I'm like, I'm like, Hey Mark, the Lakers haven't scored for like two and a half minutes. Right. And then, then we both check the game log. I'm like, Oh yep, All right. One fifty. And then, you know, and then they're so good. Like within a second, the graphics person is typing something up. And so I, it always, when you say that, it, right. It just goes right to my head of like looking at the game log and seeing, and like, bro, they haven't scored for six minutes. And then <laughs> so, it's on the so TV. There, yeah. anyway. the whole, it's great to hear the whole sequence of how it gets I just thought, I don't know. That might be boring. TV, that, right? that, that, that it's it's boring, Mike, yeah. like, wondering, how, how fucking long has it been since this? 
<laughs> That's why we see that. So what's your threshold on that? What, at what point do you start going like, oh, we got to throw the graphic up. It's being blank I, I, minutes so without I've, a bucket. I leave that to the more capable, the producer, um, Mark Shaw and uh, like uh, Bettina or Matt, whoever's on graphics, like they, mm-hmm. they will decide whether or not it needs to go up or not. I'm just sort of always trying to like make sure that they're aware of whatever or Stu's aware of something or Billy's aware of something. So I'm kind of like um, just pointing stuff My- out basically like, like the three of us might do in the text chain. Right, yeah. right. Mike is the internal clock, Pete. And so when it's starting to get long for Mike and he hasn't heard anything yet, Mike is the trigger man who's saying, come on, y'all, y'all need to get out of the bank vault already. Like, right. <laughs> sometimes it might be you. Sometimes it might be you texting and being like, wow, this offense looks yeah. really rough. And then, you know, and then I might be, oh, you know what? I was watching the defense a little more. Let me check. So sometimes it's Darius or Pete. No, that's what's great about basketball is that you can be paying your full attention to it, and there's like five things that you didn't see. That's why the that's why watching film helps, right? Is it, every time it's like watching a great movie where the second time you watch it, you're like, oh, I didn't catch that the first time. A funny thing, and this is a total side side note here, so, and we'll get back to Dennis Schroeder in sure, sure. in in a second. But I was watching the game with my kids the other day, and which I do a lot, and I was saying, oh man, like. And the whistle just blew. And my kids watch the ball, right? They're seven and nine. They watch the ball. And they're like, what happened? Like, nothing was happening on the ball, but suddenly guys are lining up to shoot a free throw. And she's Mm -hmm. like, who fouled? Like, what happened? And I said, no, that's illegal defense. This guy was standing in the paint for too long. And she's like, how did you even see that? Like, I'm watching the ball. And she said that. She said, I'm watching Mm -hmm. the ball. And I said, you know, as you start to get older and you watch more and more basketball, try to not watch the ball as much because so much is happening away from the ball. In fact, I would argue that like more than half of the game, 75, 80% of the game is happening away from the ball. And mm-hmm. when you're an elite player, and I think this might be a good transition for Dennis Schroeder because the decision-making aspect of this, I think for him especially, is going to be super important coming back off, off of a long layoff. Even guys with the ball, they're not worried about what they're doing with the ball. The elite guys are worried about the second defender, the mm-hmm. third defender, where's where the, the weak, where's, yeah. where the weak side defender is, how many steps that guy is away. Did he lift his foot out of the paint right at this time? How long has he sort of been tap dancing there? And there's all of these little things that are happening away from the action that as a fan start to get used to watching that stuff because that's where, yeah. that's where the love is. They had like, yeah. like, that's where you love the game. It's because an awesome game. If, awesome because game. if all you're worried about is like how many times some of the magicians with the ball, like a Kyrie Irving, like went between his legs and shook this guy. Look, that stuff's great. No one's going to downplay that stuff. But it's all the other stuff that I think is what makes this game amazing. Anyways. Uh, no, absolutely. Yeah, let's back to shooter. Yes. With So he's a guy that has to do, figure out how he can get to the basket in an environment where I think the the spacing of the LeBron AD Drummond trio can work, but I think it will need work. This has been from a basketball perspective. My biggest concern about not having enough time to bake the cake is 
figuring out, okay, can we run these high ball screens, these four fives with AD and Drummond? Like sometimes yes, sometimes no. And it's the repetition. It's the actual experience on the court that gets you answers to questions as a coach, right? Like, does this work? Can we put him here? Can we put put him there? And they're still, as a function of not playing with each other, they're still in that guessing portion. By last year, Vogel knew. And that was part of the journey. my journey as a fan last year was seeing them get to that point of like, oh, you guys got it. You guys have figured out enough of these questions that have been nagging. And like, yes, that's going that works and that's going to work. And if it doesn't work, then you already are good at the counter. Yes, we're, we're there. We're there where we need to be. The coaches are going to be asking a lot of are still are still speculating on some level because they haven't seen this team play. Dennis has done a great job of figuring out his attack points with this team. A lot of times along the wing and driving baseline. Um, he developed a little bit of chemistry with Drummond, I thought, in the pick and roll, which will be helpful with the starting lineup. But I would love to hear, Darius, your thoughts on on Schroeder's attack points because he's a guy who drives to the basket. And if LeBron has his ankle, it, not at 100%, that's one of the places that's probably going to impact him is the ability to drive to the basket. Yeah. We're going to need somebody to puncture the defense for all of our size to really b- take hold. You got to break them down at, at that front point. And so Dennis, to me, becomes really key in that in that whole formula. He does become super, super important. And that's why I'm hopeful he gets to play this weekend. Right. Because one of the things that you don't. You, a lot of times you probably wouldn't think of Dennis this way because he's such a speed player, right? And there's an overwhelming quality to his quickness. But so much of utilizing speed and quickness is actually timing. You cannot go fast all of the time and just be fast because That's right. it's, it's, like, it's like if you're a fastball-only pitcher, right? your second time or third time through the lineup, those guys know your cadence. They know where, how quickly the ball is getting to them and the adjustments of their internal clock will be ready for you the next time. And so Dennis at his best sort of can lull you at times. And that's why one of his, I think, best moves is sort of that that like pull up mid-range jumper and getting into that spot because it then the threat of that then plays off of his quickness it's 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 like his change up right and so if 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 you're backing up and trying to beat him to a spot that is like three feet under the basket right so you could challenge him at the rim and he stopped at 12 or 14 feet he's shooting that pull-up jumper against everyone who has just dropped well below him. So part of this, Pete, is timing to me. And I want Dennis to be able to get reps for himself individually from a timing perspective. What the other thing I think, though, that's going to be important for, for Dennis is getting his feel for where players are going to be positioned on the court around him. Because that's going to impact the spacing around him and it's going to impact how much of a crowd he has to play in as a smaller player. One of the great things about LeBron is he's freaking six foot nine. He can play in a crowd and it does not matter to him because he can play over the top of you. It's one of the great things that Luca does too, 
he may actually need to play in more of a crowd coming up, right? Where yes. he might not, might need to use more of his strength than his speed in terms of, you know, getting to the rim. And so Dennis can be prone to sort of getting lost in that sea of bodies and mm-hmm. and him getting used to understanding what the different spacing is going to look like around him with less shooting on the floor than I think he's likely been accustomed to since the last time that he was in in the lineup is going to be super interesting to me mike is there something specific about Bruce Schroeder's return that that like you're looking forward to yeah i'm thinking a lot about him in context with lebron because while lebron was out shooter had a nice stretch of being more aggressive he once ad came back you saw his assist totals climb where he was in triple digits three straight games and LeBron, as Schroeder told us after one of the games in which he played well, LeBron kept telling him, hey, when I come back, don't stop this. I keep being you, keep being aggressive. We need that. We need that. And I, I just I do want to see that play out because it's it's hard to take too much out of the games uh, in which like the two games that, Le- that LeBron was back for. So that part of it, right. I'm still kind of eager to see how that actually plays out. And you can always default to just more LeBron, I think, in the playoffs. That's an easy solution, and it, it's probably one that works. But can he and can Schroeder, can they find some really nice optimized place that also deals with the fact that AD was not yet playing like AD when AD got back with Shooter. So Shooter has yet to play ever with dominant AD. He played with really good AD early in the season, but he hasn't yet played with AD once he took it up a notch. So I... I feel like I almost always end up going back in these discussions, go back to LeBron and AD. I really don't mean to. It's just that they are the most important thing. So uh, there you go. Yes. But in when you say that, you know, we have LeBron, we have AD, and the weight that that carries, it's it means something different this year with LeBron. At least that's the perspective I'm coming from at this point in time. You said a moment ago, you can always go to more LeBron. And most seasons, that's right. Are we sure that that's correct under the current circumstances? I I think that there's I would like to go into the playoffs assuming that we won't always be able to get more LeBron and that we better be good at the other stuff now. And then I would love to be surprised and then see LeBron be the same guy he's always been deep into the playoffs and like, okay, he was able to overcome the, the ankle issue, but I'm not going into the playoffs expecting that. One of the things that I'm looking forward to speaking of LeBron and what I'm interested in seeing, and because I think that one of the things, Mike, that you said just now that sort of piqued my my interest, and, and Pete, or maybe it was Pete, but the idea that Dennis was starting to establish some good chemistry with Drummond in the pick and roll. Mm-hmm. So Drummond might fall to third or fourth in terms of be- most potent pick and roll partner with Dennis Schroeder now mm-hmm. that LeBron and AD, especially this version of AD is coming back, right? What we forget about LeBron is that he is a massive screen setter when he wants to be a screen setter. And so when you're talking about a partnership with Dennis Schroeder, I'm, I was just talking about spacing a minute ago. Right. But one of the things that you can do with LeBron, too, is he can get into short roll action with Dennis Schroeder. He can screen for Dennis. Right. And we're used to seeing that idea flip flopped where the smaller guy screens for LeBron 
And then LeBron sort of hunts mismatches that way. But hey, man, put Dennis in pick and roll as the ball handler with this version of AD or with mm-hmm. LeBron on right? those side on those side pick and rolls. He like loves on those to side reject. pick and rolls. And this is how you can start to create spacing for Drummond as well, right? Like yes. the the fundamental problem of the starting lineup, the projected starting lineup is that the paint could get clogged. And like you said, a guy like Dennis can get lost in that sea of bodies. The more that you can lift guys out of the paint, out of different actions. So those side ball screens, I think we're going to run a lot of horns actions, Me too. right? Anything to just lift guys out of the paint like that. But yeah, that, that action where Dennis likes to lull his guy to sleep and drive to the rim, those come off of side ball screens. And if that's AD right there, that's a matter of attention, right? Like, oh, AD might roll off of this. He might pop. We've really got to pay attention to him. The more attention those two guys in that dynamic are paying to AD, there's going to be a split second where that timing that Dennis has that you were talking about earlier, where he knows, oh, that's the moment you're not paying attention. I'm going to rack baseline and get all the way to the rim here. The next part of this that's somewhat related is, all right, second unit, now that you actually, in theory, have all of your players, and it's not Kyle Kuzma running point with the second unit after THT right. runs point with the first unit, what is the optimized group there? To, uh, to is, is this, do we go, does LeBron get the first sub, and then he comes back in and runs some of the second unit like we've seen in the past to Shooter? Go out a little earlier, and he comes back and gets more run with that unit. Do uh, does he does THT get a five minute spot uh, in each half to do that? Does Caruso, who showed some additional playmaking, uh, you know, ability and looking for his own shot, does it, so all of a sudden you're going you're going to go from having like one playmaker in THT to having potentially like five and. And like, there are a, a zillion questions that come with that. Yeah. Like I, I would love to be a fly on the wall with Vogel and his staff because there are so many things that they don't have a ton of proof about. But I'm sure they've had theories that they've spent argues uh, spent, spent hours arguing and discussing. Uh, but it's still like this would be a maddening situation to coach in. I, I'd love to hear what they're talking about right now. Yeah, well, maddening. Super interesting, right? I would just, I would no, just say there is maddening, but also exciting. You know, also kind of like yeah, 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 yeah. What's the potential there, right? No, I think about how there have been times where my wife looks at me and she'll say, well, what are we having for dinner tonight? And then you look in the fridge and there's literally some ground beef. And then in when you look in the cabinet, well, I've got some canned tomatoes and some pasta. Because guess what? I ain't gone grocery shopping. That's recently, right. <laughs> right. And so I guess we're having spaghetti, right? Like. Right. That's what the deal, that's, deal yeah, that's is. What, they've been trying to survive. They've been trying to make spaghetti. They've been, they've been mm-hmm. eating peanut butter and jelly, dog. Like they, right. got, they got some bread and they got uh-huh. some jam and they got, got some, some ramen, peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Some and, top ramen, yep. And that's it. And suddenly, suddenly, someone just made a Costco run. So they didn't, they didn't go to the grocery store. They went to freaking Costco. And now they've got loads of everything. And it's like, all right, well, you got LeBron back now. You got Schroeder back. Hopefully you got Caruso. THT is starting to find his way. And that idea of we go from literally one and a half playmakers to potentially three and a half or four and a half. And this yeah. version of, of Anthony Davis, the prospects of that are amazing. You, you're going to end up with Aaron Larsoul plates 
out here rather than just my regular you you know <laughs> spaghetti wow. and meatballs man well shout out to aaron uh and and by the way i i do owe him uh, i gotta ask kcp about his uh cornrows which aaron, aaron has been um inquiring about because he, he likes how crisp they are and he's trying to get there uh i i think that i have i have a a suggestion for this issue uh to get to send to pete so starters are as expected Right, shooters back in, LeBron's back in, AD, KCP, Drummond, Caruso and Coos are are musts, right? Uh, they're yeah. they're to me. I for me, uh, Wesley Matthews has played his way uh, into being that uh, like that you know kind of eight, uh, and then Mark Gasol, uh, and there's there's nine players now on a given day, a given matchup, get, get Keith out there on a given day, a given matchup, get get uh, Harrell out there, let Trez work against certain smaller guys if they do end up playing Phoenix. For example, um, let him go eat for a while, and I, I would, you know, Macklemore for me would more be just like in rare instances where you just just need the shooting and the spacing. But sure, throw him out for five minutes. But in uh, the the one guy I haven't mentioned yet, Tht would be sort of the ten where like I, I'd like to get him a few minutes each half just for the defense to have to deal with yet another thing on the scouting report. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, um, you're just rotating LeBron and AD, getting them closer to 35 minutes, and then Schroeder um, is that piece behind. So I, I know I just named damn near everybody in the team, but it's like I, I, I do. It's the starting five is Caruso, Kuz to the next, and then it's Tht, and then Mark uh, and Wes. And I'm I've for me then I've got Harold and Macklemore out of that regular ten uh, in Morris as well. But like 13 dudes you can play, and McKinney can play. By the way, I like McKinney um, as your 14. So, uh, Pete, what's what's your what's your approach with that whole mess? So that just a word of caution that I have all of that optimism, too. I've been ranting about how remarkable this roster is for the entire season. Right. I think the talent level and the different in that whole rock, paper, scissors conceptualization of basketball. We've got a bunch of rocks, a bunch of papers and a bunch of scissors. We've got solutions to every problem. We have not had the time to figure out all of the questions that the yeah. Oh, what does this combination look like? How do these guys play together? And then you see all those conversations on the floor where the players, are, and this is way more important than the coaches' conversations, where the players are talking like, oh, when you do this, like release in this direction at that angle so I can make the pass from this angle. You know, all of the, just the minutia of basketball that only really players can communicate with each other to do it at a high speed and, and really effectively. And so because there are so many possibilities you can there can be a certain paralysis by uh, from all of the options that you have right sometimes it makes things easier when all you have are those ingredients to make spaghetti in yeah. right because if you just made on that costco run there's a few different versions of what that can look like That's of right. what that meal can look like at the end of the night and that can be a whole process and that can have be complicated can have politics involved with it it just becomes more complicated than oh this is what we have to eat this is what we're eating and so with that in mind i do think that there is gonna it's necessary for the team on some level to commit to a style of play for a series or for an opponent and there are some times where that's going to mean like i think trez against phoenix for example, I think Trez kicks kicks their butt because of how they have to defend us with their size and all of that. So I think in a in a series against them, he would be in my rotation. In another series, he wouldn't be. Um, but within that, this is why I've been so. Uh, this is why I've been advocating for Wesson Mark so much, is because 
there are so many questions, they provide some solid ground. I don't have to worry about them if I'm the coaching staff. RAL, right? baby. They're going to go out there. RAL. That's right. That's right. And they help me focus more narrowly if I'm in a coach's yeah. position, position on getting answers to three questions instead of – now we got three items on the menu that could be meals tonight instead of ten. And it that helps simplify things in a way that I think is really important when – if we had the luxury of a whole season to answer all these questions, completely different scenario. But the way this season has gone, I think we've got to commit to something and simplify on some levels. Well, in speaking to that idea of of simplification, you always want things to be as simple as possible – and then be able to scale off, like the have the ability to scale off of that. Right. Mike made a great point on a pod a couple of weeks ago, I think, um, that there are certain teams where they do not have that second, third, and fourth club in their bag. Right. And so right. they play one way the entire regular season. They go into the postseason with that same exact plan. That may be enough to get you through a round, maybe two. But at some point, you need more clubs in your bag. You need more answers. But the and Vogel has shown a tendency to scale things back and keep things simple. He, he last year, he was like, OK, well, Portland beat this group. Beat our big group, beat our rotation with three big men in it, right? Beat that group. And maybe they did it once, and then that was it. Houston, he said the same thing, game one. Yeah, guess what? We're playing JaVale. We're playing Dwight, right? And then game two, it was only Dwight. And then game three, it was like, okay, well, no more Dwight either, basically, right? Mm -hmm. And it was only Keith and, and AD. And... But so he got to the third club in his bag, but he started out very much like, oh, well, I'm playing driver off the tee every single hole, right? Because I'm going to make you beat this. And, and so the idea of, of Mark and, and, and Wes are very much in line with this is some standard stuff. We're going to do it this way. And if it ends up being that, oh, well, you know what? We need more dynamic play with the ball. Mm -hmm. That's right. right. And we can surrender some defensively here in order to compensate in this other way, because that's what this requires. And so I would imagine Vogel, I would hope that he's leaning in sort of that same direction that Mike is talking about with like the, these two guys are going to be core core guys. And with what you're saying, Pete, in terms of like, yeah, let's scale back a little bit and make things a little bit more straightforward because then that gives us that foundational thing that's right. that we can, we can build, build the off branches right. off yep. of right so hundred uh, percent and that's part of what's exciting but also a little nerve-wracking about the the full squad that we've got coming but we've been really excited that that's you know that that's we've been waiting for this all year and so uh on tomorrow's episode, we're going to have a mailbag. Haven't had many of them. You guys sent us a bunch of excellent questions. So until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Baines has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant, 48 
16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Freddie pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Miss it. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.